turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Secretary of State Antony Blinken meets with his Russian counterpart for the first time since the start of the war in Ukraine. The big winner of this war is China. They are benefiting from a weakened and bloody, beaten down Russia. House Republicans open an ethics investigation into Representative George Santos. The investigation wants to look at things that are more than simply lies. Ford looks to start manufacturing self-repossessing cars. Your car would physically drive itself to a repossession agency. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Friday, March 3rd. I'm Mike Scott. For the first time since Russia invaded Ukraine, Secretary of State Antony Blinken briefly met with his Russian counterpart, Sergei Lavrov, to discuss the end of aggressions in Ukraine. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov had a surprise meeting on the sidelines of the G20 in India earlier today. State Department officials say the two spoke for roughly 10 minutes. Blinken underscored the United States' commitment to support in Ukraine while urging Moscow to withdraw from what he calls its, quote, unjustified war with that country. The two men met for a moment on the sidelines of the G20 summit in India. Afterward, Blinken met with reporters and outlined the solidarity between the G20 nations in their condemnation of Russia's aggression. We met here in Delhi roughly one year after President Putin launched his war of aggression on Ukraine. And one week after 141 countries voted in the United Nations General Assembly for a resolution that expressed support for a comprehensive, just and lasting peace in accordance with the United Nations Charter, and its principles of sovereignty and territorial integrity, and deplores the human rights and humanitarian consequences of Russia's aggression. Not a single G20 member voted with Russia to oppose that resolution. Blinken also says that he explained to Lavrov that the U.S. will always be willing to have an open dialogue with Russia. A war that President Putin could end tomorrow if he chose to do so. And with the Black Sea Initiative set to expire on March 18th, Russia has refused to commit to renewing it. The message that countries said at today's meeting is clear. Extend the Black Sea Grain Initiative and strengthen it. And do that without delay. I spoke briefly with Russia's Foreign Minister Lavrov uh, on the margins of our G20 meeting today. I told the Foreign Minister that no matter what else is happening uh, in the world or in our relationship, the United States will always be ready to engage and act on strategic arms control just as the United States and the Soviet Union did, even at the height of the Cold War. Mr. Blinken also raised the case of Paul Whelan, an American detained in Russia. For their part, Russian officials say that the meeting was done while on the move, downplaying the exchange. Daniel Hoffman, a retired CIA officer, joined the Salem Radio Network and says... 
that while on the outside Russians may seem like they support the war, the fact is Vladimir Putin is cracking down heavily on his own people. So on the, on the outside they do because they have to, and if they don't, they're looking at a trip to, you know, a one-way trip to the gulag uh, wow. if they don't do that. Wow. Putin has really stepped up the pressure on his own people, denying them basic human rights like the freedom of speech and assembly, yeah. things we yeah. value in our country. People yeah. can say pretty much what you want to say in our country and assemble, and and that's, that's you know, what, our, what we got in the Constitution thanks to our founding fathers. Uh, what the Russians really believe, you know, the war is grinding. It's a meat grinder in Ukraine. I mean, 200,000 casualties. Uh, I don't I think they care more about, you know, dead Russian soldiers and injured Russian soldiers coming home than they do about just the death and destruction they have wrecked upon Ukrainian civilians in their homes and maternity wards and hospitals and neighborhoods. That's kind of the story of the war. Autocracies are brittle. When does it come home to roost for Vladimir Putin? That's the, the big question for the for the CIA and the intelligence community. At what point does this brittle autocracy just start to crack? Hoffman explains why he believes the real winner of the war in Ukraine is China. The big winner of this war, I'm sad to say, is China. Ah. Uh, they are benefiting from a weakened and bloody, beaten down Russia. You know, those two countries are long-term strategic competitors. The Chinese are importing cheap Russian uh, gas and oil cheaper than it's ever been. And then they're shipping manufacturing goods to Russia. They're capturing a very large piece of Russia's economy. And China's economy, in contrast, is pretty diverse. And so what the Chinese are doing is, is they're exploiting Russia at a time of weakness. And we saw from this recent, you know, peace offering, which it really wasn't much of anything from the Chinese, a 12-point plan that isn't going to go anywhere. But it's just their effort to protect their geopolitical interests. I mean, it may surprise some. Remember, who was involved signing the JCPOA? China, the crappy Iran nuclear deal, because they just want to be a part of uh, the big issues of the day, protect their interests. Uh, and in this case, you know, they're trying to hedge. They don't want Vladimir Putin to lose. They're fine if Vladimir Putin is being bloodied and is a subordinate junior partner to China. Um, but they don't want Putin to lose. And if it looks like Ukraine is, is Russian, you know, Russia pushing them back to Russian borders, they may try to use this you know, peace negotiations as a hedge. And they want leverage. They want some leverage over Russia and Ukraine and the West, for that matter. Blinken also said that he urged Russia to rejoin the new START nuclear arms control treaty, describing as irresponsible Moscow's recent decision to suspend its participation in the agreement. Russian Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakharova confirmed that the meeting took place but gave no further details. On Thursday, Alex Murdoch, the former attorney, was convicted of killing his wife and son after a panel of 12 jurors returned a guilty verdict in less than three hours of deliberations. Alex Murdoch has now been led back into custody. Guilty on all charges so far. Count one, murder of Margaret Maggie Murdoch, his wife, guilty. Murder of Paul Murdoch, his son, guilty. Possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime for Maggie's murder, guilty. Possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime. Murder of Paul, his son, guilty as well. The jury found Murdoch guilty of two counts each of murder and possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime without posing a single question to the judge while weighing the case. 
While Murdoch was once part of a family dynasty of lawyers, he is admitted to being a drug addict and swindling his law firm and clients out of nearly $9 million. Reporter Brian Enton explains why many local citizens in the city of Walterboro, South Carolina, didn't think Murdoch would be found guilty. People are still taking it in. You know, there's a lot of people in this town uh, and this region, Leland, uh, that didn't think this would happen because of the power that this family had for so long. Let's not forget that the Murdoch family uh, ruled over this courthouse for generations. Uh, you know, so many family members served in the solicitor role here. So people just thought there's no way uh, that this day will come. And here we are, guilty on all counts. I was watching so closely. I thought it was interesting. Alec Murdoch seemed uh, sort of frozen, maybe in shock. I didn't see any tears. He cried so much throughout the trial. I mean, he was like crying every day, it felt like. But there were no tears today. Uh, he just sort of just stood straight ahead. Uh, and then I noticed his son, Buster. You, you may have spotted him with the red hair. He was sitting uh, behind his dad a couple of rows. Uh, and I was looking closely at him, too, to see if he was emotional. And he, he kind of had a similar look to his dad. I think, I think probably just shock. The most damning piece of evidence against Murdoch is a cell phone video recovered from Paul's phone in 2022 that places him at the murder scene with the victim four minutes before prosecutors say they were shot to death. Murdoch faces life in prison when he is sentenced. Republicans on the House Ethics Committee have announced the establishment of an investigative committee in order to look into allegations surrounding embattled Representative George Santos, who has admitted to using many fabrications about his background. The House Ethics Committee announced today is investigating New York State Representative George Santos. It comes amid calls for Santos to resign for extensively lying about his resume, and the list is long. Everything from where he went to college, founding an animal charity. He's even accused of swindling a disabled vet. Now the Ethics Committee says it will set up an investigative subcommittee, but their specific focus is whether Santos engaged in unlawful activity during his 2022 congressional campaign. The focus of the committee will be narrow, looking into whether Santos engaged in unlawful activity with respect to his 2022 congressional campaign, failed to properly disclose required information on statements filed with the House, violated federal conflict of interest laws in connection with his role in a firm providing fiduciary services. Santos has been surrounded by scandal since his election, and many of his constituents have demanded that he step down. Most recently, some GOP lawmakers, like New York Representative Anthony Desposito and Mark Molinero, echoing calls for Santos to be expelled from Congress. Niall Stanage of The Hill says the GOP seems to be threading the needle in this case. An ethics committee investigation can ultimately lead to a recommendation of someone's expulsion from the House. Now, this doesn't necessarily lead that far. But to me, this is about Republicans trying to figure out a way to thread the needle on Congressman Santos. They want to keep their distance from him. They want to make clear that they don't approve of his conduct. And this is a way to do that without being asked about it every day or every other day. You simply say, well, the Ethics Committee is looking into that. So it 
serves a political purpose. Stanage explains why it's important that the Republican lawmakers focus on only those allegations against Santos that go beyond simply telling a lie. The investigation wants to look at things that are more than simply lies. Now, that's not to defend or minimize the lies, but if he has, for example, as he has acknowledged, lied about his educational background or his work background, that's clearly not good. You could argue that it amounts to a fraud upon the voters who, after all, elected him not knowing that those claims were false. But when it goes to the points that you mentioned, Nicole, I think you are seeing the most serious allegations against him, the things that are clearly moral or ethically egregious beyond simply telling a lie. Looking ahead, Stanage doesn't think that the outcome of the investigation will lead to Santos being expelled from Congress. I think something like censure is quite plausible. Removal is very rarely used, even in ethics investigations. It's only happened five times. Might get to that point, but I would tend to think the committee will stop slightly short of that. In a brief statement, Santos's office said that the congressman is fully cooperating with the ethics committee's investigation. There will be no further comment at this time. Republicans are trying to put a stop to the teaching of critical race theory in the military. Daybreak Insider's Bob Agnew has more on this from Capitol Hill. Senator James Lankford is co-sponsor of the Combating Racist Training in the Military Act. You know, let's train people in the military to be able to be good soldiers, uh, to be able to be effective in what they're actually doing. Lankford says the U.S. military is already a place that allows Americans to come together from a great diversity of opinions and backgrounds. Keep us diverse, keep us of a wide perspective and respect for each other. But stop trying to be able to make one group feel guilty about being another group. Something Langford says is a distraction, not a service to the military. Bob Agnew, Capitol Hill. Reports are coming out of England that show British supermarkets with shelves that are bare of many vegetables. So much so that there is a sort of salad shortage on the island on the other side of the pond. These reports go on to suggest that the reason for the food shortage is not simply weather-related, but also because many grocery stores are choosing not to pay the higher cost to suppliers. Reporter Alex Thompson, who is on the ground in central London, says that there are a few contributing factors to the shortage of vegetables in British store shelves. A run of unusually cold weather in southern Spain and North Africa, Tunisia, right across to Egypt, where at this time of the year the UK can get up to 95% of its requirements of certain lines of vegetables. Smarto virus in North Africa adding into that. Second, the energy crisis. We do use growers in the Netherlands quite intensively this time of year. They've decided it's too expensive because of electricity prices. You don't just have to heat up the greenhouses, of course. You have light at these short hours of daylight as well. It's too much. They're not doing it. Thompson also explains that while some are trying to blame Brexit for the lack of vegetables, that really has very little to do 
with this shortage. You've seen probably on, uh, online pictures of people frolicking around wonderful uh, vegetable aisles in supermarkets in places like Portugal. It looks like the Garden of Eden on a good day. Um, and it's true, Portugal right through to France and Germany not suffering anything like the same sort of shortages that we're going through here. Um, but that's because Brexit, obviously, more red tape, more prices to get goods in, and we have to pay workers here more. But the Republic of Ireland is also suffering those shortages. It is a factor. Nobody's saying it's a big one. Meanwhile, Jack Ward, the chief executive of British Growers Association, explains that many farmers in England simply didn't see how planting certain crops would have been beneficial to them financially this year. Growers were looking at their costs of production and working out what they would need in order to cover their costs, cover their investment in those crops, which should be delivering cucumbers, tomatoes at this time of year. And because they couldn't get a reasonable reward for their investment, those crops didn't go in the ground. And so what we're seeing is there's a chunk of UK production, which in 2023 is missing and has added to the problem. So we have switched our reliance overly to uh, Spain and Portugal. And this year we've been caught out by the weather. Ward states that the largest contributing factor is inflation. But the big issue this year has been that growers have seen superinflation rates, probably 20, 25 percent. They haven't been able to get the returns back from the market that they needed, and they haven't put the crops in the ground. British grocery inflation hit a record 16.7 percent in the four weeks to January 22nd, dealing another blow to consumers battling an escalating cost of living crisis. While many car companies are looking into EVs and self-driving cars, Ford has taken another step by applying for a patent on a system that is designed to have their cars turn themselves in for non-payment. Meaning, cars could be able to drive themselves to the repo man. Kelty Kernstein says that due to a rise in automotive payment delinquencies, some automakers like Ford are getting creative. So this is not what consumers want to hear, especially when the average monthly new car payment is nearly $800. But at the same time, auto delinquencies are on the rise. More than 2 million cars were repoed last year, according to Title Loanser. Automakers like Ford are now cracking down. Now, the company is now working on having self-driving cars refill themselves if payments are not made. Yes, you heard that correctly. That means that your car would physically drive itself to a repossession agency or another location to be towed if you fail to make your payments for 60 days or so. Kernstein says that there are a few opinions on the table when it comes to automakers getting their payments. Now, Ford is still working out the details. It is deciding whether it should lock the owner out of the car on the weekends or include a beeping or chiming sound to annoy the driver. I spoke to an auto industry executive who says this could actually be a win-win for drivers who make their payments on time because it actually mitigates the company's loss. And this, of course, is a hot topic because it brings up concerns like what if somebody leaves something very important in the car, like documents or medication? Now, of course, Ford is still in the very early stages of the development of this technology. 
Christopher Gardner is an automotive industry executive and says that this technology may be in the near future. Within the Ford Motor Company, there is Ford Motor Credit, uh, which does a lot of, of Ford's uh, internal financing for its cars. Um, and they have tens of billions of dollars worth of worth of auto loans. Um, and so anything that they can do to help support um, or, or make that auto loan portfolio more profitable, less risky, they will do. A rising number of Americans are falling behind on their car payments. Some 9.3% of auto loans extended to people with low credit scores were 30 or more days behind on payments at the end of last year, the highest share since 2010, according to an analysis by Moody's Analytics. Federal labor judge has ordered Starbucks to reinstate seven fired workers after finding that the company violated labor laws hundreds of times during a unionization campaign in Buffalo, New York. Daybreak Insider's Jeremy House breaks down details on this developing story. The decision was issued by Administrative Law Judge Michael Rosas of the National Labor Relations Board. The order requires Starbucks interim CEO Howard Schultz to read a statement of employees' rights and distribute a recording to all of Starbucks' U.S. employees. Starbucks says the ruling is inappropriate and it's considering its legal options. A new report finds a surprising increase in cancer among one segment of society. Daybreak Insider's Tasha Stevens has more. There's been an increase in the number of younger adults being diagnosed with colon and rectal cancers. An American Cancer Society report shows one in five new cases are diagnosed in those under the age of 55. Almost 30 years ago, only about 10% of cases were in that age group. There was some good news, though. Colon cancer survival rates have increased. Tasha Stevens reporting. And finally, one police officer in Michigan saved the day in more ways than one. A pregnant DoorDasher was involved in a car crash during one of her deliveries. And after making sure she was all right, Lieutenant David Allen helped the mother-to-be, Brianna Fantosi, by completing her deliveries. Because I have DoorDash stuff in, my, in the car. Is there any way that you guys can deliver that for me? Yeah, sure. I'll take it for you. I hope they give you a good review. <laughs> you got your DoorDash. You. <laughs> I'm not sure if you saw what happened. I did not. Um, or wondering why the police are delivering your yeah, DoorDash. Yeah, she told me that. She okay, got in an accident. She got in an accident. Yeah. yeah so, um, is she okay? Yes. Yeah, so okay, cool. two things. I don't take responsibility if any of this is inaccurate. No, I understand. And two, if that's Texas Roadhouse, you're lucky if the rolls <laughs> made it. I'm on a Thank diet you. right now, and uh, that would have been questionable if I wasn't. <laughs> Fantosi, who is six months pregnant, explains what happened. So we were on our way to drop off the order, and the guy was in the middle lane, and we got next to him, and he started swerving over. So I laid on the horn, and he hit us, and we went over the island and almost into the ditch on the other side. Fantosi adds that she asked Lieutenant Allen to complete her deliveries because she's a single mom. And she needs the money. Because I'm a single parent and I've got to work and 
bring money in. Lieutenant Allen says that he felt compelled to help Fantosi out with her deliveries because it was obviously so important to her. You know, I'd like to preface this with, first of all, this this was nothing spectacular on our end. Um, I was more taken aback uh, with her request because um, I'm not usually asked to deliver DoorDash while I'm working on duty. Um, so I was I was a little bit shocked with that that question. But at that moment when she asked me that, after being through such an overwhelming experience, she was on a major thoroughfare in our city, um, crossed several lanes of traffic. The the accident could have could have been much worse in nature, especially during the inclement weather. Um, that she had the wherewithal to make this request indicated to me immediately that it was important to her, and it wasn't something that was that difficult for me to help her out with. Fantosi says that the woman to whom she was delivering the order has reached out and gifted her with baby clothes for her unborn daughter. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.